0: Like the album, the recording that we never dropped, Terrio. Oh, <laughs> yeah, our secret rap song that Champion named. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't mention that. I think you, you
1: both just did to to all of our fans. <laughs> um, I mean, re- down the line, you never know.
0: <laughs> we can put that out as an alias. Yeah. Mm. playlist
1: the music reaction and discussion show i'm one of your hosts terrio and and i'm brandon lee just just
2: brandon lee awesome well today we're sampling some of the finer things in life as we discuss the classy sounds of classical music with us here today to explain to us mere ignorant mortals like myself and brandon lee
0: It's is tim fitzgerald how are you doing today tim Oh, I am awesome, as you say. <laughs> and we all talk like this, like Squilliam. <laughs> <laughs> and we're super excited. Okay, I can't
1: do that. All
2: right. Either way, man, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We are genuinely super excited to have you on the podcast today. So,
1: Yes, yes, we are. Can't wait to make
2: y'all cry today. <laughs> oh, man. You <laughs> came in with goals. <laughs> but... <laughs> So before we get into the show, let's get into our obligatory
1: mundane disclaimers. So, of course, you know, we love music and love talking about it, but we always have to get these out of the way. So number one, we respect everyone's opinion, regardless of how wrong or terrible it may be. Number two, we're just talking about the music. If an artist or composer was canceled before after or during this discussion does not mean we're advocating for whatever they got canceled for. Looking at you, Beethoven. Just kidding. (laughs) Now. Just because the music we're discussing today is going to be a little classy doesn't necessarily mean that we will be uh, we're, we're always going to be our authentic selves and just, you know, react to these exquisite compositions as ourselves. So let's keep that in mind.
2: Absolutely. And lastly, you can check the show notes for the playlist to listen to the music um, and ways you can support the artists. Or the composers at stake, because I'm quite sure a lot of these people are dead. But either way, you can listen to the playlist on Spotify as well as on YouTube.
1: Hey, man, Mozart needs the support, don't you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard out there for a <laughs> yeah. course, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, all right. Well, without further ado, let's just dive right into talking about classical music. I'm excited. Okay.
2: Yes, yes. I'm very excited. And I just want to start off right out the bat. Like, what is everybody's history with classical
1: music? Tim, you want to go first? You want me to go first?
0: I'll go first, I guess. I'm the guest. Guest first, maybe. I'm happy with that. So my history with classical music, I was trying to think of my earliest experiences with it. And I think it was like Looney Tunes, the whole like, kill the wabbit, kill the (laughs) wabbit, type of opera operettas. And also... um, I probably aging myself, but Milo and Otis has some really amazing uh, Schumann in there that we can listen to later. And Babe, these children's movies, Babe also has Sanson organ symphony. So movies and uh, shows geared towards children would be my earliest experience. And I was pretty much a slacker in school until middle school. And what does everybody start in middle school? They're instruments, right? So mm-hmm, that was true. kind of my second chance to like be good at anything at, during school because I had already been like daydreaming to the point where it was difficult to catch up <laughs> by then. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I can actually like not embarrass myself in one of these subjects now. So I went hard on especially the kind of competitive aspect. I was like always in there before school doing pass offs, always there after school, doing all the after school activities with clarinet that I could get my hands on. And I just stuck with it. And I actually, you know, went through an undergrad and a master's in clarinet And, you know, it's hard out here in the uh, bohemian trying to make a living classical musician life. So I actually quit entirely a while back for a couple of years and thought I wanted to be something else. And then was asked to uh, come back to a school I was teaching at and was asked to interview at a different school. So I saw that as a sign and I haven't looked back I've been doing it again for another uh, six or seven years now, and oh, yeah. just loving it more each day. Loving the notes more every time I play them, and I now have more assurance that this is it. This is what I'm doing. That's what's up. That is what's up. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, my I'll, I'll, my own personal history is nowhere near as deep as that. As I've said before on the podcast, I grew up in very much like a classic rock centric household. That was the vast majority of music we listened to that. And like, you know, gospel type stuff. I think it was like sometime in high school, I stumbled across, uh, I think it was like Requiem for a Dream that like kind of classic somewhat. I think most people are probably somewhat familiar with that at least. Um, and there's something about that. Like it, I would use it like that was one of the songs I would have as like my pregame track playlist for like football games and stuff. And just because of that, slowly, you know, after listening to that for a little bit, I was like, well, you know, this is like a classical orchestral type song. There's, there's got to be something else in this vein that I like. And it kind of led me down to somewhat experiment. And, you know, I started that was whenever I first so like actually s- like sat down and listened to some Beethoven and some Mozart and some Bach and like, you know, the the big names that most people would know. Um didn't really go much further than that. I did have one class that was one of my favorite one of my favorite courses I had in college that was just like it's like a basic like music art appreciation one-on-one type class. But the teacher was very passionate about it. I forget what instrument it was a woodwind. I remember that, but I forget what instrument exactly she played, but she had played in like, you know, professional orchestras around the country stuff in the past. And that kind of sparked a like second coming almost at renaissance, which I guess would kind of be punny there, but, um, (laughs) uh, yeah. And kind of, you know, rediscovered kind of dove more into Mozart a little bit. And I've always had a fondness for it. Just something about it is just, you know, a lot of the classical music that you would find just brings me peace and, you know, makes me feel good inside, but I don't have any personal like music. I don't play any like instruments that you'd seen in an orchestra or anything like that. um, I think having my sister try to play the flute whenever she got to middle school and just hearing that dead or dying cat sound just kind of put me off of it a little bit. (laughs) Once I got to that point a couple years after that. Um, But yeah, definitely. I definitely do enjoy classic music, but I've never really fully committed to it, I guess is a way to put it. Hmm.
2: Okay. Yeah. So mine is somewhat similar to both of y'all's. I was introduced to it via Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies. Again, aging myself, but those are the shows that, you know, I enjoy watching those because, you know, the in uh, what's the name? Uh, Tom and Jerry, like they really didn't speak. There was no voices. So everything was all through the instruments and the instruments played the whole scene out. So if there was something loud happening on the scene, the music got loud or something was quiet happening. It was very quiet in the scene. So I kind of got attuned to that. And then, um, what was it? I ended up taking piano lessons early in middle school. So that's when I found my instrument was piano lessons and, uh, you know, starting a piano and going to recitals, got a chance to experience uh, other people playing different instruments as well as uh, people who were singing. At one point I made the mistake to think that I could sing. And I try to sing in front of my teacher and my mother. And I got roasted out of the room by my <laughs> own mama and by my piano teacher. So, For so said, like, <laughs> they told me straight out the, I mean, I'm at middle school. They said, baby, look, um, you need to just, just stick to the keys, baby. You you, you, you can't say, baby. I'm sorry.
1: So <laughs> like, funny. My, I, I remember my mom told me something similar whenever I was. I don't remember. I was young. I don't remember like how old. But she told me one time, I was like, I, I, I really like singing. I want to try and be a singer. And my mom was like, you should really think about doing something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Just shot that dream right out the sky. <laughs> like,
1: you got a lot of talent, son, but that ain't
2: one of them. Right? <laughs> so but yeah so like i I got a chance to experience you know going to different recitals and stuff like that and seeing operatic singers and all that good stuff and then um in school uh we had like the art classes and all of that and the music appreciation as well so that kind of gave me the the fondness of it and sometimes i think even going back to middle, middle school going all the way back to elementary uh sometimes the teacher would put all the classical music in the background while we're doing certain assignments or whatever just to have some music playing in the background and some songs I could jam to and other songs I'd be like, okay, there's a lot going on. But, you know, that's kind of how I kind of got introduced to it. I, I commit it, but in a different way. Like, obviously, we're doing a music podcast so we all love music, but it's just I'm more on the composition and creating side versus the reciting and replaying somebody else's stuff side. So that's where I struggled at. Um, I got very bored very quickly trying to play Mozart and Beethoven and all the, all those other people. And I was just like, yeah, I don't want to play these dead people stuff. I want to make something new. So,
0: yeah, so that was, that was my origin story with it. Mm. You make up, uh, you bring up some really interesting points. So that's one of the, you know, the first things that make classical music a little bit different than a lot of other genres is, you are doing a lot of interpreting instead of creating. So the the music is already prescribed and written down by the composers, not necessarily dead, but it's Mm -hmm. kind of a different way of of working. Whereas, you know, like in, in rock, a lot of times they're like creating the songs as they are recording them and then going and touring them. That's just Mm -hmm. a completely different Mm -hmm. way of accomplishing the same goal. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's one thing about, like I said, I like to
2: be honest, like going through this playlist, granted, you know, it's definitely one of the longer ones, which, by the way, I want to say this live on the air for everybody here. Brandon Lee, I owe you an apology because the times I made those long ass playlists. This was this was kind of tough because <laughs> I was like exactly. hours
1: of music, bro.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> like you look on the Spotify playlist and it's like three hours and fifty eight minutes or something. It's like right at four hours.
0: It's a lot of listening. It's a lot of listening,
1: yeah, lot of listening
0: yeah. but I have a lot of things that I love to share. I. Couldn't cut it down any more. It than It was this.
1: enjoyable. I will say that it was. There was it a was, lot of good songs. Was. There was, a lot, and especially it was a lot of because, like, going into the playlist, which was, I think, beyond like a few last minute additions by Terrio. I think pretty much you made the entire playlist yourself, right, Tim?
0: I did, and I'm gonna say this live on the air for everybody to hear that I sent this out to these two guys, like. Six months ago, okay. Like you can get through four <laughs> hours of music in six months. I hope if you love music, all right.
1: <laughs> oh man, You're like calling us out,
2: Terry. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I'm gonna make sure I edit that out. No just kidding. <laughs> nah, but yeah, that's, that's that's true. That's very true. That's true. But uh, but yeah, like uh, like all the songs were definitely good and definitely enjoyable. But
1: well, it was also like. Because I kind of went into it like before, I'd actually started listening to it. I was, you know, expecting to see a lot more of the standard Beethoven's and Mozarts, and it was a lot more varied than that, which was just nice to see. I was exposed to good classical music that I was not familiar with, which me and Terry are always looking for new musical experiences. So I totally dig that.
0: Absolutely, and and I realized that I had neglected to add you, you in classical music. Your, you know, three granddaddies would be Bach, Beethoven, and Mozart. And that's kind of a classic debate that the nerdiest of classical musicians will have be like, who's your favorite of the three? And so I wanted to make sure that I laid down, you know, some of each that I love. But I didn't really add them until after the fact. This playlist is more of things that have hit me in the feels. And none of those three are my favorite composer. So I want to get to my favorite composer. But before we get into that, I really, really want for us to listen to uh, Summon the Heroes. Can we listen to Summon the Heroes real quick and then talk some more, guys? Yes. Yeah, we can do that. All right. (laughs) Give give me one second.
2: Okay. So I'm glad you brought this up. Because, okay, I'm just going to come out and say it. I mean, obviously, we had a lot of songs on this uh, playlist. John Williams is the one composer that I can automatically, just sonically like pick up. I'm just like, that's a John Williams song. He's
1: very distinct. And
2: very distinctive. And all of his compositions speak to me, being a nerd, first and foremost. So, it definitely has that superhero amp up, mm-hmm. you know, swelling that 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 kind of you know triumph emotion, so I definitely get that from all his compositions. So this this one was one of my favorites on the on the list. Some of the heroes, and then it was the other one on here too, by him. Um, obviously the Anakin versus Obi Wan.
1: Oh yeah. You think Star is like mm-hmm. it's up there uh-huh. for me? <gasps> mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Oh, and then um, him to the fallen. That Uh one. Yeah. So those like like I just automatically was like, oh, John Williams is on. And I've heard the name before, but I never really like listen, listen. But yeah, definitely, definitely one of my favorite ones on this list so far.
1: This one in particular really makes me feel, Ontario kind of said it with like the superhero, like upswell or whatever. It makes me feel like I could go out and just like pick my car up over my head a little bit. Just yeah, like, Just I'm like I listen on, to that's... this song. She's like, I can do it. Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's why I wanted to start with it. One, because it's so high emotion, high energy. And so I, I just wanted to like get that out there, like as a case for classical, because oftentimes when we think classical, by the way, such a like huge word or or I guess such a small word rather for such a huge genre spanning hundreds and hundreds of years and so many different things. So, uh, but unfortunately often when people say classical, you think like when you turn on the radio at like 5 PM and they're playing like a completely uninspired version of like some, like something probably from the Baroque era meant Mm -hmm. to be played, like while you're eating dinner, you know, like, and it's just so boring, you know? Yeah. So mm. I, it just makes me so sad that that's like kind of the basic impression that a lot of people have of classical. So it's like, I feel the same way, Brandon, when I listen to this, because I'm a huge Olympics fan. And this is, I think, demonstrating like the power of classical. Like it is the oral representation of the pinnacle of human achievement physically you know it's it's just so like so big and so bold and so powerful and like i think picking trumpet to lead the way like when you hear pro trumpet like woo, like it is like hard to keep it together because it is one of the most beautiful like kind of transcendent sounds like i know there's like when you play trumpet good Fine. But when you play trumpet like top fifty trumpet pl- players in the world, then it is like a completely different sound. Almost, it's like whoa, <laughs> and that's what I get from this recording. <laughs> is yes. all I get awe. You know, yeah, like for sure, regularly, man. regularly, I will cry to this one just because it's just like wow, beauty and power. Period. Yeah. You
2: know? Yeah, and. I will admit, I also had that preconceived notion going into this because I knew, I don't know. Like I said, obviously classical is wide reaching, but like, again, I mostly was accustomed to hearing the dry, the boring, the softness, just kind of like, you know, like background restaurant music, whatever, stuff like that. Um, But and listening to this playlist throughout there's moments where it's just like, I don't know where it's like kicking you in the face with like the, with the, with the trumpet or with the strings or whatever. It's just like, like, I don't know. So much so that, okay. I listen. I was listening to it again, long playlist, long week, but I was multitasking and you know, it was like a nice, like, I forget. It's like kind of towards the, the end, I believe. Uh, hold on. Let me see if I can find an actual song. Um, I want to say it's the one with George Handel. I can't pronounce half these words or whatever. So, <laughs> two foreign tr- languages in here, yeah, yeah. It's like two tr- Trumfo Del Tempo, uh, oh, Del yeah, or whatever. Oh yeah, that one, yeah. So
0: mm-hmm. I, I think
2: it was either that one or, or another one. But either way, what happened was with that one, I, I was laying down, chilling, minding my business, living my best life, relaxing, dozed off, and then no trumpets came in. <laughs> I was like, God, I had a mild heart attack because I was like, man, <laughs> I, I was not ready. So, um, right. yeah, it's, it's definitely a, it's definitely a genre that th- because the lack of words, except for if it's operatic, uh, it's definitely the the music. The music is speaking to you one way or the other. Mm. So it's gonna make you feel something. It's telling a story, and I like how. I mean, I guess the composer may already have a story based on the composition, but as a listener, it's kind of up to us to form the narrative of what the music is saying to us, um, similar to jazz, uh, but, but in the orchestra thing, it's just a whole ensemble. It's just something about when you get a whole bunch of people together and <laughs> just that that oofness with it. It's, it's kind of hard to really explain, but it's well, it, it, it's, it's a whole other journey.
1: One thing that I, I kind of noticed listening to this playlist, or kind of, I guess, realized is like a song will be playing, right? And I would just say, Mm -hmm. I'm like driving out of my car, driving down the the road on my car, listening to the river as the music's playing. I have like this whole, just like daydream in my head of like action that's happening to the music that's playing. And you sent us a, uh, Michelle Kwan ice skating Mm -hmm. video, Tim, where she's skating to that. And I feel like that was just like such a perfect example of like pairing movement with, you know, classical orchestral type music yeah, it's just something that like i don't know why it took me so long to realize because like terrio said at the very top like they use it in like tom and jerry and stuff to do the different action and stuff it's just like super interesting that it just merges so well with movement and like how that how they can play into each other
0: oh yeah i mean classical music is so pervasive in our lives like we don't even like recognize like how often it's entering in and if you're open to it it will totally accentuate, you know, the experience that is being exhibited in one of the other artistic mediums, like in the Olympics or like in dance or like in movies is where we often interact with it the most. But like you're saying, Terio, it often speaks on its own as well. And both fashions, where there is an intended story, which is called programmatic music, or where there is none intended whatsoever, or the composer, if he has one, or she has one, or they have one, will not admit to it because they want you to have your own experience, your own interpretation, so no. your own interpretation. And um, I think that's one of the the powers, uh, but also one of the uh, kind of uh, shortcomings of classical music is that. They're like, you figure it out, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so that can be tough, especially, you know, when you consider how visual of a society we are compared to, you know, how we were as human beings in the past, pre-television, uh, pre like large access to things like theater. Uh, then we were way more of an auditory society and there's examples, uh, Proving that point. Like there used to be pieces in the uh, Renaissance called motets, and they would have three, four, up to 50 different texts being sung at the same time. Kind of like the way that we look at the news, and there's like two or three ticker tapes and two or three tr- people trying to talk over each other at the same time, and you got the captions on, and we're just kind of tracking it all. Uh, <laughs> we used to be very adept at that with our ears. So we've Largely lost that ability. One, yeah, and two, um, we're a society that values efficiency of information more. Mm. Like we got a lot. We're doing a lot of things all the time, and yeah. so you know, this is the age of you know, we're we move, move, We've moved past you know, shows or even YouTube videos for entertainment, and, and have moved on to like just. Little vines and TikToks is yeah, you know the the quickest way to get to people. And so yeah. classical music is often left by the wayside because it is so often about a slow burn. Oh, yeah. Like I put I put on there this uh Sibelius Fifth Symphony movement, which even for me, like, and I know I love it. I know that it's going to pay off. I've already had my hair stand on and and cry listening to it several times, but even knowing that it still takes some will on my part to get to the point where it will send me there. And I have to remind myself that it's worth it. And we don't do that as much in music as, uh, we might have in the past, in my opinion.
2: No, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, yeah, like same. if you even look at if you've looking at like the um like the new music that comes out, does the, the song links are shortened. Like a brand new it's song getting will come shorter out. And and shorter, be a, yeah. A, yeah, it'd be like two minutes max versus songs back in the day used to be, you know, a standard radio cut would be like four or five minutes, and then an album cut would be like seven or eight. Um, and now the new version is like two minutes, and then even then it gets cut down to like ninety seconds for a TikTok, and that's the part that everybody knows,
0: just the 90 second clip, if that. You know, right. so it's just, it's, it's, it's definitely, yeah, you got a good point. Got a good yeah. Point and you don't even have to go that far back. Cause I mean, then in like the seventies they would have a radio edit of a song, right? But then you go to the disco and they're playing a release that, yeah. you know, the DJ got from the album, from the record label, and it's a half hour long, yeah. you know, yeah. and we don't do that anymore. There's no extended cuts of songs anymore, even, you know, That's so super rare. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. asking, you know, a listener to listen to a 30 minute long symphony, a four hour long opera is oftentimes too much. Like, and also all Art and, you know, all music, memes, for instance, all these things are acculturated. So through us teaching each other what they mean, uh, we find value, humor, and interest in, in these cultural mm. objects. So there's a lot of things that you don't pick up on in classical music until you've been exposed to them Somewhere else be like, oh, yeah, that reminds me of that. And Brandon, you already exhibited that um, earlier. We were about to play some of the heroes, and you said, oh, I thought we were, this was Fanfare for the Common Man, which I think he's distinctly referencing Fanfare for the Common Man by Copeland, which is also on the list. Mm-hmm. So references, it, it, they increase our appreciation of things when we are in the know and we, I think maybe don't do as good a job educating our children and ourselves about musics. Music takes, you know, less and less time out of the the day and the weeks, especially earlier when we're more kind of uh, emotionally open to different musics, in my opinion. Like my grandmother told me that she had to listen to all of the Beethoven symphonies in elementary school. Oh wow! So, I think things are a little bit different now. Yeah, I didn't have I, to I, do I, that. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I mean, we had to listen to what well, the we listened to the entire Beyonce album, and then we had to listen to <laughs> Sexy Red
0: and all of them just to go to work. So, I mean, it is <laughs> what it is. Different time. Yeah. Different, and and, different I, and I and don't get me wrong, I don't want to be like. And that's a shame because classical music is better. Classical music is different than, than popular musics. And also, you know, hearkening back, there used to be kind of more interplay between what would be considered popular and, and classical than there is now. Now it's, it's a sad but truth, uh, you know, kind of thing where most of my audiences will be older. Uh, Whatever kind of gig I'm playing in classical music. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's not as much draw, but there's also, you know, some things that inhibit people from even attempting to like classical music. I think that ticket prices are often Way too expensive for you know people in our generation to even bother. And if you had to choose between paying that much for Beyonce or paying that much for a symphony concert, then I don't blame anyone who would choose Beyonce because it's what they know and they know they're going to like it, which is this is more of a risk oftentimes for people when they're mm-hmm. not acculturated or in the know. They're not necessarily going to have that transcendent experience that music can give us. So I would encourage people who like want to get more into it to look instead to there will be probably a myriad of free concerts that are actually oh, yeah. pretty good especially if you look at your local universities are going to be putting on free symphony and band and jazz and and chamber music concerts all the time and it's just good to support pretty high a, level. a
1: lot of those well if you go to like a university a lot of those instrumentalists are you know they're trying to, they're up and coming essentially. They're, you know, they're not like professionals or anything. So just supporting your local, possibly struggling artists is always a good thing. Um, yeah, also,
2: also to like a lot of downtown areas, some people, some downtown cities have like those uh what, amphitheaters or whatever, where I have yeah. like free concerts and stuff in the afternoon. So that's something you always can, you know, take a date out to or just, you know, just be out out and about and enjoy a free concert and, you know, support them and show them the love. I mean, if anything, it, it exposure is always key. And then also. You know, giving back it, it encourages that yeah. that person who's you know more. performing and, and continues them uh, allows them to continue to pursue that career to get to their destiny. Because some people, you know, just like Tim said, you know, he gave up you know for a little bit, but then one thing about music, it'll bring you, it'll draw you back. It'll drag you right back in every time.
1: But you did have a good point, Tim. Um, I do feel like I mean, kind of you know jokingly referenced it. In the intro, talking all posh and everything, but classical music does have, I think for a lot of people, this connotation of being like an upper class thing. And like mm. opera, especially, is just like, oh, that's something like old rich and you know wealthy people go to or whatever. Um Yeah. Yeah, there there's a lot of of oh, gifts
0: yes going on. <laughs> <Ooh. It haunts laughs> there us. is. There is. It's 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 completely undeniable. I mean, I would, you know, be kind of a bold faced liar if I said that, you know, the upper class isn't often involved in classical music. For instance, it's very expensive to put on an opera. So who is involved in putting that on? That would be the upper class. And then for that reason, then the ticket prices are high. And so then who can afford to go? I mean, when I go to the opera, I have a friend who helps me get free tickets. So I understand like, there's definitely some realness there, but it is not completely exclusive and it isn't by design. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's more by like a, like kind of a sad practical matter than it is, um, you know, trying to be, um, elitist I think would be a, a misconception so again universities put on operas and they do it well and I've been so to several and go. it
1: was very entertaining I cannot recommend it enough if you've never if you've never been to like a symphony or an opera or anything like that definitely look like you said it's the local options because it is worth going
2: to, yeah, to it's, like honestly, it's, it's honestly it's a full body experience. It's, it just, it's, it's like it's one of those things where like it's much better in person. You can watch as many YouTube videos or or watch clips online or whatever, or like little clips on TV for that matter. Is nothing like being there and just feeling the energy in the room and hearing the vibrations and feeling the vibrations is 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 definitely different. Speaking of different in opera, there was one song on this playlist that I could not stand. And oh. it was uh, Whoa. what's that? Uh, uh, off on big tempo, temple Saint with the three. I, I right also around.
1: did not like that one. I'm <gasps> sorry to say that, that one, I couldn't rock with that one. I'm sorry, that one was oh. tough <laughs> for me, but that, I will say that was like the only one. Okay, <laughs>
2: that was wow, yeah. I mean, I powered through it, but it's just man, I am shocked. And I know, I know, <laughs> blasphemy, right? Everybody put down your pitchforks and knives, but it's one <laughs> of those. Yeah, exactly. That's that's literally the, the vibe I had when I heard the men singing. Was, really? It's mainly, I will say
1: for me, it was mainly the singing that like kind of turned me off, and then not so much the music. Yeah, the music was it.
2: fine, but the, the singing, to me, okay, so <laughs> it's like, look, you got three lead singers trying to sing. There was hmm. like no harmony. It felt like they were fighting against each other. Hmm. So it felt like one guy was going, oh! the other guy was going, and I'm just right. like, it was just too much going on, and it didn't sound good. It just, mm. it really sounded like like somebody stepped on a dog while the dog was chewing on a cat, while the cat was chewing on a mouse, and the mouse was like singing as well. It was like a lot going on. I did not like that one at all. <gasps> I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> That's not like one of your like most cherished songs on this list. <laughs> It for sure is guaranteed. Like that <laughs> song, just more, it. more, more,
0: more than any other has sent me, and <laughs> mysteriously so. Because yes, I even when I was in school, like I'd say, well into my undergrad, I thought opera was just so ridiculous. Like the the style of singing compared to popular singing is just so different. You know the reason because being that this is pre-recording technology so it's about projecting to think about how large a uh, an opera hall mm-hmm. is huge okay yeah. so you're trying to like get that sound you know oh, several hundred rafting. feet yeah. away from you yeah. so that's why it has that kind of oh, vibrato and then those kind of uh, sounds and all that so Again, it's acculturated. So through repetition, then you grow in in appreciation. So that one had like a a pretty much like a huge kind of um, gatekeeping, you know, vibe Mm -hmm. for me. And and I I wanted to to push it a little bit because I think that's the role of art sometimes is not necessarily to leave things at where people are because there's Mm -hmm. so much more out there than john williams right Mm -hmm. but i wanted to start with john williams because i think we should meet ourselves where we're at and meet each other where we're at and then do a lot of yes and and you know i love like every time like i i meet new musicians i'm like what's your favorite who's your favorite what are you listening to because i'm always trying to grow i'm always trying to find more sources of uh, I think music is one of the closest experiences I've ever had to God. So like I am always chasing that for that next hair standing up crying feeling. In fact, I try to start every single day that way if I have the time, then mm-hmm. I will spend the time until I make myself have a moment of being with music. So this piece has done that for me many many times. But they're singing in French. I've never seen the opera I have no idea what it is about, but it like, for some reason it, it, Oh, I was taking voice lessons my junior year of college and Yossi Burling and Robert Merrill were both recommended for me to listening to like, to try to figure out how the heck do you even make sounds like that? So when I heard this one, despite having like no prior exposure, it got me immediately. Mm. And I've actually met, uh, Other people who say, I love this one and I don't know why too, but I usually don't like to leave it at that. I don't really accept as a teacher when a student says, I don't know, I just like it. Okay, well, we really need to tear it apart in order so that we can find further sources. So Mm -hmm. I like that it's two men singing together. Okay, that's not very common. And it seems very, very tender and sentimental. So it's kind of like surpassing what you think that would be. You think that would be more like bar songs or more like yo-ho or more like bravado. And it's not any of that. Mm -hmm. So hearing, Mm -hmm. you know, men speak to those sentiments speaks to me. Um, The fact that you have a high male voice and a low male voice and then that they come together sometimes when they end or start the next phrase touches me every time you know they, mm-hmm. they seem like you were saying Terry where they're antagonistic they're kind of talking over each other but then they come together they do
2: but, but, only, but for yeah, only for but a I note
0: yeah for a note. i need some and then they come apart one.
2: it just wasn't it, it like my ears just wasn't having it i mean like it's just one of those things where again i see the the overall the overall picture, which is good. I get it. You know, since you broke it down that way, I'm not as well, I still don't like it. But it's just <laughs> <is one. laughs> But it's just it, I, I get the the time and the era and all that good stuff. But honestly, speaking of the Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies, well, I'm when that song came on, I understand, I understood why Bugs Buddy shot that person in the audience in that was <laughs> that one clip. Like that's kind of how I felt. <laughs> I was like, it was so it was so annoying, I'm sorry I just was <gasps> not, I just, I, I wasn't feeling it the only the only good thing about this song to me was that John Williams came on right after that the
1: The, <laughs> him <I> <laughs> the only good thing about it was the song that came after um, <laughs> it
2: was a it was a palate cleanser for me mm. like, when, that come, when that came on, I was like mm, okay, now we're, we're back at peace, that was just like, it was mm. a lot going on so, I mean, it could be by his face we respect everybody's opinion on how, no matter how wrong it may be. <laughs> well, I will,
1: I will also say for me, part of it was, as as I've said before, if you've never listened to the podcast before, I'm very much like a lyrically focused person when I listen to music. Mm-hmm. And pretty much anytime there's singing in like a, a symphonic or orchestral type song like this, it's always in another language. And like, I can appreciate the just artistic beauty of the singing itself but it always just takes me out of it at least a little bit if i don't have any clue what what the words are saying it's just my own personal hang
0: up there but that's completely valid that's definitely part of it and i'm an instrumentalist so when i listen to the radio oftentimes i'll realize i don't know the any of the words to songs <laughs> that i love from the radio uh, i listen to <laughs> things more like from the other elements of music being pitch, rhythm, form, volume, articulation, timbre, tempo, things like that mm-hmm. is what I'm listening for. So the lyrics is also there, but I know from you know, hearing some of y'all's podcasts and from listening to some of my friends talk about music that it usually starts with the lyrics, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you introduce voices, in another language and you've been more focused on the lyrics, then that can make it difficult to get past that. So question for you while we're on the topic, I, I
1: tried to find like an opera song that was sung in English. Is that just like, I didn't do like a super deep dive look, but I was not able to find any good examples of that. Is that just not a thing? Is it, is there no like modern opera songs orchestral songs being written with, like, lyrics in English? Is that just not happening? I know. Oh, obviously, no, a lot haven't. of it's from, like, you know, songs from, like, 100, 200 years ago was probably written in another language, so that's why they're performed that way. But modern – I mean, I'm sure there's still modern stuff being created and stuff, and it's just it's, – I, I wanted to see what your thoughts are on that, why, why there's not more prevalence of that or more of that just in general. I feel
0: – I'm bummed because I wanted to add more, but I was like, all right, Tim, we got three and a half hours of music. It's time to calm down, (laughs) but, but um, there's plenty. There's some amazing um, operas and songs in English. Uh, There's a whole series of songs by Aaron Copeland. So I included Aaron Copeland on there and, you know, he tried to kind of like herald. um, the whole kind of Western country vibe and a lot of his classical, like he started off super de duper esoteric in his career and like went Mm. to Paris and studied with, there's kind of like a, a matriarch of composers in Paris, uh, uh, named Boulanger. And so he studied with her and so did most of the greats of the 20th century. And so he wrote some very esoteric piano sonatas and stuff like that. But then later in his career, it was way more like, Wide open plains and cowboys and like a bunch of stuff like that. And so he has a whole series of songs that are, um, like he has very sentimental ones, uh, like, and he has ones that are really funny, like one that has the same kind of form as the Twelve Days of Christmas, mm. but it's like starts off with I bought me a cat, my cat please me, I fed my cat under yonder tree. My cat said, and then it just builds on from there about other barn animals, you know, farm animals and (laughs) barn animals. And so I, I love that. And there, I also included a a silly one in there. Did y'all find the, uh, the silly classical music piece? I did. Um, Yeah. Let me me see if I can remember the name of
2: it. Let me see if I can find it. Nope. No, it's not that one. I am having a hard time trying to find it.
0: The the album is called a little nightmare music, making fun of Mozart. And yeah. it's by a composer named Peter Shickley and his alias is P.D.Q. Bach. In his uh, <laughs> alias, he claims to be a long lost descendant there of it is. J.S. Bach. Okay. And I okay. just wanted to include that because it just shows that, you know, hey, like it's not so stuck up that classical music isn't self-aware. It knows how to make fun of itself too. So this one is making fun of, I don't know if you noticed, but half of my playlist is like either extremely exuberant and the other half is just like super sappy. <laughs> yes. That is who I am. Yeah. I just pick stuff that I like, you know? So it's makes fun of being overly sentimental for sure. That one. Well, we'll
2: say I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, again, this is just my ignorance going into it. Cause I think, you know, classical woodwind instruments, you know, all day, every day, a little bit of tropic here and there. I was surprised how much an organ shows up in in Mm. some of these uh, compositions. And it was one in particular, which I just lost. Is it this one? Yeah. Symphony number three with uh, the singing. Yeah. So Okay. Sassong.
1: That one. Camille Sassong.
2: Yeah. So (laughs) that was one of the ones that, again, you know, I'm in the mindset and then, you know, like they all kind of flow together, but this one in particular, (laughs) it come out the gate. Like, like you don't listen to me. I'm just like, okay, okay, I'm here. I'm here. So I like that one. It just it starts you off like, like, here we go. <laughs> All
0: right, and then we get into it. So I love yeah. that too. So, yeah. In so. fact, he's he's my favorite composer. And oh. song shows up a couple of times on this list. Uh-huh. And I love that one. That was one of the first orchestral performances I did, but I had already loved that piece from the movie Babe, so I alluded to that earlier. And I love that added timbre and volume from the organ. And I like the organ more in the context of the orchestra than by itself. Like yes. I've played a couple of pieces where the organ is paired with the orchestra and it's just such a great pairing. Cause it's, pretty competitive pairing like trying to compete sound wise and it just like you thought you were filling up the hall before on a loud chord in the orchestra and then the organ comes in pushing down both foot pedals like and like several keyboards and like pulls out those like forward-facing trumpet stops and your hair blows back and you're like i didn't know it's so huge holy crap you know that's like an experience all to itself so it i love that um Classical music can give you the same kind of just basic visceral volume power feels of like rock. In fact, oh, wow. there's another piece I did not do a list, but it's uh, by Samuel Barber and it's called Toccata Festiva. And it's the closest I've ever heard classical music come to straight metal, mm. like straight like metal. The, the chords, the scales, um, and then again, just the volume is just It just screams metal to me. Like it um, comes in with the organ with... And I'm just like, wow. I did not know I wanted that from classical, but I'm glad it's here. And so... Again, with the music gumbo, I just feel like that one makes a good case for classical. If you're coming from that kind of like, I like dark feelings and I like for my face to melt, then Takata (laughs) Festiva is where I would start with classical. Your your
1: rendition of it right then definitely gave it a, a metal vibe for sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was about that's to start banging play. my head over here. and like, Dude, <laughs> listen, if I played the organ, that's how I would play, okay?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, speaking of for me, blasphemy, um, again, uh, Tim pretty much put together this entire playlist. But in doing so, it reminded me of some songs that I've heard back in the day that had a full orchestra, symphony vibe or a sample. And I added uh, three songs on it. One of them, uh, "Street Symphony" by Monica. Uh, Who you gonna call by Missy Elliott? And "When I Get You Home" by by Thick. So, you being a professional composer and clarinet player and all that good stuff, when you hear pop music take a uh, composition and morph it into something else, like explain your thought pattern when you, when you when you come across
0: something like that. I probably have some complicated feelings about it. Um, I'd say first off, like you don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Okay. Like anytime anybody is even bothering to mention classical, you're just glad because you're like, okay, maybe I'll like survive in this industry a little bit longer for one. And two, (laughs) like I'd say more nobly and importantly is just like, this is always an opportunity to like, let somebody else know, like that there's value. to classical music that it isn't just this, you know, sad table music that you get from the radio. And I like, I still have this hang up because like I'm, I'm actually citing a specific radio show that like they would have every day, Monday through Friday at 5 PM in Austin, Texas called table music. Mm -hmm. And he would always pick the worst examples of the Baroque era. And just to kind of like make a like a lap back to your point, Terio, about like, hey, go see it. I was. Again, as a actual classical musician, like completely turned off by Baroque, I mean, the clarinet didn't even come around until 1690. So it's like I'm not even relevant until after Baroque is over to begin with. And two, uh, I just was like only I'd only heard stuff on the radio that was just like super dull. So I like that we're bothering to mention classical music because I feel like there's a lot of people that would be turned off from the radio. Uh, so I'm happy that it's there. I think oftentimes it's used as like uh, an underscoring and then you're going to like oftentimes like going to do something on top of mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And so that's not like actually being like invited into the process that much. So it'd be cool to like have it involved like in the creative process more actively. Yeah. On its, on its face, like it just depends on the song. Some of the ones that you shared, Terio, I enjoyed and other ones I had to like be more active. And again, this is something I would encourage people to do when they don't get it, whether it be classical or not classical, start breaking down those elements of music. Okay. Like you can't hate everything about the song. So I always start with what I like. And and I did this a lot. In um, I went to recitals, like pretty much like every day in undergrad, I like tried to make a point out of going and seeing as much live music as possible. And there was a lot happening because I went to a huge state school. So it was just, especially at the end of each semester, mm-hmm. everybody's got to get their recitals. Done. Yeah. So I like would, I think it's really easy to go right in to the negatives. And I, I, I think it's much harder, but much more valuable to start with what you like. So like, okay, like if, you know, maybe you're not digging the performer. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's not all of the information that's being broadcast to you. You're also learning about the composer for one. Okay. Or you can dig into, well, I don't understand the lyrics. All right, fine. So what do you think of the timbre of the voice or the, the pitch range? Like, do you like the high voice? Uh, How is it interacting with the piano going on behind it? Is there a lot of interaction? Is that like witty or is the piano just kind of going underneath? Uh, And just try to go through like the pitch, rhythm, form, volume, articulations, like whether the notes are really long or really short um, or the timbre or texture. And there there can be more than one timbre, even when you're listening to just the voice, I can scream or I can whisper. Those are different timbres. So just being more conscious as a listener can help you enjoy it more. So I had to do a little bit of that on the street symphony. I had to to make it more of a conscious exercise and choosing to enjoy it interesting because be like, honest um
2: because with that one I felt like the 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 production had more symphonic elements in it because it was like had way more variation than the other two um, it did. So, so like so I was like okay I, fi- I figured I'll slide that one there because I was like I think I, I was like I wonder if if you would like this one or not because like, like back in the day when the song came out it it really it really brought in my mind because I was just like, "Oh, okay, we're going this route." I never heard that combination. I, I never had. I never heard that flavor of gumbo at that mm-hmm. time. So right. I was just like, "Okay," because you know, you hear like the samples, but it's always usually like just that one stick out of note or whatever, mm-hmm. and they kind of just put that on repeat. But like the half, <laughs> right? Whole, like a
0: disco hit, like, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like so, that's what you get. <laughs> yeah.
2: So <laughs> with this one in particular, I was like, "Okay, there's like some like there's the soft moments, and then there's the the strings, you know, picking up, and then like the little bit of like little stuff in the background and all that little thing so that's all just wondering
0: yeah um, and i dug before- those things yeah and i dug like that it was in a uh, major mode so it had like kind of like a, a happier vibe to it and mm-hmm. i dug the uh there was like some like uh more quicker moving parts in the violin uh, melody uh-huh. that i liked when those were brought out so yeah. that's what okay. i got <laughs> okay.
1: it's, it's yeah. uh- <laughs> um, brandon your thoughts on that song in particular on um, street symphony in particular Out of the three, you added at the end. That one was probably my least favorite. Oh wow! (laughs) But I didn't, I didn't hate it. Just I, I really, really vibed. Who you gonna call and when I get you alone? i Really vibed with those two. Mm. Um, I I totally understand on that one.
0: Yeah i I thought I thought who you gonna call was used really well. Actually, I thought um that you know it it brought some uh more brevity to what Missy Elliott was saying. So I I liked that. I was like, Ooh, I was like, she's not kidding. Um, so I got that from that. So I thought that was a good use of Mozart there. Mm -hmm. I, okay. I have to know though. I know you're trying to to shut it down, Terio, but I've got to know, speaking of what you liked, what did you like? What was y'all's favorite? I heard what your least favorite was. Now tell me what your favorite was. Okay. Okay. So, Brandon,
2: which ones were your favorite on the list? I, I, I mentioned who Bob was in the beginning. I said John Williams. So I like all his all his uh, compositions. But I'm going to look for a runner up. And there is one in particular, but I got to find okay. the name. I, I
1: will say I did all the John Williams stuff like you. I did, I did love um, again, especially like once the Anakin versus uh, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. Yeah, that just again, you know, Star Wars was such a huge part. Of, and I probably should have mentioned that at the top, but like I didn't really think about it. It probably was the first time I was actually introduced to the style of music was in Star Wars and just how iconic a lot of those songs are today. If, at least if you're like, you know, involved at all in nerd culture. Um, my absolute favorite, though, might might surprise you guys. It's a uh, I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation on this when I try my best. Ive Lovsko Horo by Ivo Pavlov. Ah! I, it's literally five seconds in. I just had the, the biggest goofiest grin on my face to this song, dude. Just I don't even know what all instruments they're using in this thing in this song. It's just such a fun song, dude. <laughs>
2: Dude, so is. That, so when that song came on, that that automatically made me think of uh, the the song we did on uh, Beats Antique recommendation Roundup.
1: Beats yes. Antique. It, it definitely yes. has a Beats Antique feel. I, I can yes. see them doing something similar to this, for sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. With oh, the accordion,
2: just, just go on crazy with the accordion. That, that, that is an accordion, right? That's what yeah, oh, there's that was. Yeah, there's,
0: there's all sorts of stuff going on in there. There's clarinet and accordion and voice and saxophone, I think. It's so funny that that's your favorite, because I put that in there as the extreme wild card <laughs> of the playlist just to see if y'all like actually listen to it. I, <laughs> I <can't>.
1: think going <laughs> back to what I was yeah. saying earlier, it's so... <laughs> different from a lot of what the other songs in the playlist are and it just really just uh, I guess caught me off guard is the way to put it as I'm listening because it's it's kind of nestled a little bit deep in the you know it's not like near the top of the playlist or anything it's, it's kind of mm. in the middle a good bit so you know you're listening to all these like good somewhat what I would think of as like a traditional classical sounds and then just this comes mm. on out, out of
0: nowhere and I'm just
1: like what is this this is awesome
0: uh, it is it's out. a delight it is its it's it, for me, it's an example of where classical music has taken me because I think that people would argue that this is probably not classical, but it was through, you know, my experiences in my professional life that brought me to this place where I have a, uh, a good friend who has an Eastern European wedding band, but he um, is a cl- classical musician. And he's like, Hey, I do this too. And I I, I suppose it would be more folk, but look, it's using an instrument that we think of as more classical and it's just, you know, classical music has taken me literally and only musically like to so many different places. So this is technically what you would hear at a wedding in Eastern Europe. Sweet.
1: That sounds like a fun wedding. Yeah. Um, I do. just want to say. All right. (laughs) Right. Um.
0: I just, I but classical music would dance you know classical music would reference you know stuff like this often i i have played a lot of you know stuff that has eastern uh european influences in it and so this is you know just showing how there can be you know crossover with the instruments but also with the style i've, I've played stuff like this like there's a uh a piece called uh dances of galanta that has some of these same kind of you know big you know clarinetti you know i'm a clarinetist uh and eastern european elements in it so it's not like it exists in a vacuum or that it is not like that or that it is totally unrelated to classical music but it is a little bit more cursory and i just wanted to put on it on there because i kind of freaking love it
1: (laughs) Well, you, you kind of danced around uh, uh, something I kind of realized yeah. is that the the mm. uh, the title, I guess, or the, the,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the, I don't know how you put it, the genre of classical music is mm-hmm. somewhat of a like misnomer because, you know, mm. there is like the classical, what I would consider actual classical music would be like the Baroque and the, you know, the, the Mozarts, the Beethoven's, all those, like we said. But like you were just, you kind of hit today or kind of danced around it a second ago. A lot of people that's like, whenever they hear classical, that's all they think about. And it is kind mm-hmm. of weird because like the word classical makes people think of like, you know, older, you know, it's a classic mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's an older right. song that is still loved or whatever. But I mean, there's still obviously stuff being made today that is still technically in the like classical music genre, but it's not really like a classic because it's not been a lot. It's, it's not been around for two, three hundred years, right? It's just an interesting, exactly. interesting kind of a thing I want to point out there.
0: Thank you for making that point so much, Brandon. Because I've been wanting to, and I think it's an important point to make because there's the classical period mm-hmm. in art and music and cultural history, um, referencing like kind of a revaluing. Of simplicity and the beauty of simplicity Mm -hmm. going back to Greek, ancient Greece. Mm -hmm. So you get that in the Mozarts and then stuff like that. Okay. But unfortunately, we have that as a homonym that means also music involving what we think of as classical instruments in a classical performance space for a context of the utility of sitting down and paying attention, not necessarily ignoring it while you dance <laughs> or listening to it while you eat dinner or um, incorporating instruments uh, from outside the what we think of as the genre. But all of those things also exist in classical yeah. music. Uh, my, my shameless plug piece in there I have a guitar pickup and use guitar pedals on my clarinet, so like that's also classical. But that's, that's what you did for that. In the uh, modern there was era. an interesting. Yep.
1: I I dug that. Can you pronounce the title for me? <laughs> Diptic. Okay.
0: So diptych is two paintings that go together. I had to Google it. So and it, it closes yeah, like yeah. it closes <laughs> like
1: a book, right? Is what Google told me at least. Right. I, I've seen yeah. like pictures of of what a diptych is from like ancient. You know, or like uh middle age manuscripts and stuff. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Very. So, I enjoyed that. I only got to listen to it a couple of times before the episode today. But
0: yeah, we we talk about subgenres so much too. We talk about like I'm more into alt rock than classic rock or whatever. But we don't talk about like, so true. There's not really well, you know classical I'm more, genres, right? I mean, th- th- there, are. there are, but like people in general
1: don't know. Yeah, especially when the music's been around for hundreds of years, right? Like, think of how hmm. many subgenres we got for hip-hop, and it's only been around since, like, 60s, like 70s, 70s, 80s. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Which, is, which is crazy. And then also, like, while listening to this um, playlist, I, I, I kind of, like, in some songs, which I, you know, I try to forgive, like that terrible tenor song or whatever, but um, <coughs> that, like, that was the only source of entertainment they had. So I'm just thinking to myself, like, they didn't have the recordings. They didn't have the vocalists. And this was it. They just had their instruments, and they got together in the field, and just that was their jam session. And that was it. Like that's what they did. They had their potato and bread, and they and that was it. You know, that was their whole source, <laughs> of, source of entertainment. Oh, I was like, <laughs> a bleak picture you paint, Terry." That's yo. all they had. <laughs> everything else, sucked. <laughs> everything else sucked. You had the famine, the dark clouds, everything. <laughs> Uh, but i'm just i'm just thinking to myself i'm just like that's so i mean i just try to put my mind in that frame while listening to it and honestly sadly enough that's when it kind of clicked because the first go around i was like okay there's a lot of stuff happening everywhere my brain was not ready for all of that at the time mm. and this is i will say this for somebody who's a perpetual multitasker listening listening to a classical you really need to just stop mm-hmm. and just listen you really because mm-hmm. you're gonna miss stuff like it's, it's a lot happening and to, yeah. to to honestly fully embrace it mm-hmm. and to really uh, digest like a whole like song or a symphony or whatever you need to like sit down shut the hell up and just listen and like catch everything because that one triangle it, that's like a pivotal point in that song <laughs> yeah. and you're gonna miss that that, that ding, 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 and it, it makes the whole difference you know so like every instrument is um uh, is is it matters and speaking of which. Is there one instrument that you think is more integral than another when it comes to like a full symphony experience? Cause I feel like, you know, just like with any group, like I feel like there might be some clicks, like does like the clarinets and the trumpets have beef, do like the cellos and, uh, you know, triangle people like, you know, like, you know, teaming up after the, after the symphony's over in a back alley, ready to fight, you know what I'm saying? Like, is that, is that, is that how that happens behind the scenes?
0: Well, you have your instrument families in the orchestra, your strings, your woodwinds, your brass, and your percussion are the Uh different families that you're going to hear. But when you're missing one, you really realize how much you miss them. Like For instance, I was at the Army School of Music this summer and they don't base who gets into each uh, quarterly cycle of this program in the Army off of what instrument you play. They just base it off of how many like rooms they have in the barracks and like how many practice rooms there are and stuff like that. So we had no trombones in our cycle. And I did not realize how much I loved the trombone until it's not there. When somebody's not there, that's when you really are, are like you feel the the emptiness, you know, mm-hmm. you feel the place that they held. So I, you know, and not even just being diplomatic, I feel like when All these different people playing all these different, you know, sounds are coming together. And when everybody's bringing it and you're bringing it and and you use the adrenaline of the moment of a live performance to push you beyond what you thought you could do. And you're making your own hair stand on in or, you know, you're trying to keep it together and not cry because you're like so astounded by the solo that's happening right before you come in. That is what it's all about. So everybody has a place and a purpose and they all bring, you know, different things to the table. And that's why they're all invited. And that's why when another person is is brought in on a different sound, then it's just that much more exciting because it offers diversity, which offers different elements of music and different emotions. So
1: it sounds like the most integral instrument is whichever instruments are playing at that point in time. <laughs> is that a succinct way to put it? <laughs>
0: Yeah. The composer knows what they're doing. And, you know, some composers are are known for being like master orchestrators, even more than masters of melody or harmony. Uh, Ravel is, you know, he's the guy who wrote Bolero. So if y'all Google mm-hmm. Bolero, you'll be like, Oh yeah, I know that one. That's one of the top 10 classical mm-hmm. pieces. Like he's known for being one of the master orchestrators.
1: That actually leads right into a question I had, uh, So it sounds like the conductor is actually like super important because for the longest time, I just assumed he was just a dude waving his arms as you know, like a
0: like a kid growing up and stuff. You'd see and he'd be like, I could do that. (laughs) You know, sometimes they are and sometimes they aren't. A great conductor has a point of view and is an efficient um, but insightful rehearser. Hmm. I think sometimes maybe the rehearsal is even more important than the uh, performance for the conductor. So like some of the greatest conductors I've had will just push it like a little bit farther, make it a little bit more than it was. Mm -hmm. Unify everybody's different, disparate, you know, interpretations of a piece. Do things like that while getting through all of the material Before you have to go and play it in front of people and then what they could bring to the performance is just really the best they could do is encourage you and make you feel comfortable like when you go to play a solo and they smile at you and they offer you an open hand and they give you a nod like you got this. That is something that you need sometimes because you're really making yourself vulnerable and putting yourself out there in some of those moments. Yeah, for sure. And, and the other thing that they do on the practical side is just making sure that everything's in balance, Mm. you know? So like if you're laying down that melody for the third time going, you know what violence, we, we get it. We've heard it. There's a really cool counter melody happening in the horns that y'all are covering. And sometimes that's said in rehearsal and sometimes that's more like giving them the hand saying shut up a little (laughs) bit because I want to hear this guy and they point at the guy they want to hear instead. So they are the producer in real time. They're an encourager. Uh, They are a leader. Uh, They should have a creative point of view and they should be contributing to pushing things further than they would if they weren't there. And in fact, some orchestras didn't and still don't have conductors mm. for certain pieces. So it's a sometimes thing, but a great one actually contributes something. It's just that something is different at different times.
1: Right. Well, that's that's okay. honestly way more of an answer than I thought I would get. <laughs> ah, <laughs>
2: that no, no, it's just, no, that was, yeah. Like my mind is like, blown right now because it's like to really think again from going from a guy with two sticks waving back and forth is the producer engineer and like mood stabilizer balancing all of that stuff he's doing all that in in real
1: time i've never looked at it through that lens but yeah he totally is like the way you just said he's a producer in real time which is Mm that definitely in my head, at least, sounds, makes it sound way more difficult than than how I looked at conductors before you just
0: said all that. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Great ones are great. Bad ones are terrible (laughs) to the point where you will, like, literally have powwows before the, I've had this happen in professional context, be like, hey, this guy is a mess. We're all just going to look at the first violin and we're going (laughs) to look at our section leaders and we're just going to ignore him because he is, like, in danger of actually (laughs) kind of (laughs) crashing this ship, you know, or whatever. So sometimes you will be like, you'll have a mutiny. (laughs) Sometimes if the conductor's bad enough... (laughs) Wow! <laughs> and, and, and then afterwards,
2: oh yeah, yeah, you guys did great. Yeah, we know, <laughs> right, we know we did great. Right. Right. you <laughs> yeah.
0: you, are right, right. right. <laughs> like, like we got this, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, that's so, Terio, what was your favorite? Okay, what was your okay. favorite on the playlist, Terio? What was your bye. your your, your uh, runner-up to John Williams?
2: So, this is hard actually because there there were a couple that I really dug but it also kind of depends on my frame of mind as well so it was uh what was the other one okay so i like i'm gonna butcher these names i'm sorry the uh, the french people are am i got try. you uh la
0: bahime peachy pucci, la pucci mm. yeah 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 uh, let me find it it's La m and I'm trying to find yeah, the G- rest here so I can say it right myself. Yeah. yeah, Puccini. Yeah, Giacomo Puccini's La Boheme Act Two. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Act yeah. Two. Yeah. Cuando, Cuando... Cuando... yeah, so I
2: like that one because I like her operatic singing with it. And even though the guy chimed in, it was way smoother than your homeboy's from earlier. So... Mm. I enjoy her, her singing. So to me, I enjoyed it. It was a lot, it was, it was a lot better to me. Um, so I dug that for the singing. The other one that I liked, mm. okay, well, okay. I'll go with this one then. Um, uh, the other one I like was a trio for clarinet, cello and piano.
0: So I liked that one. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. That's actually my, my clarinet professor from my master's degree, Eric Mandat playing on that. And that's, um, the composer Vincent Dondi. And, you know, I've never heard that piece live, but that one really gets me hyped. Mm-hmm. Like I told you, like it seems like half of my list, like in hindsight, is either just super sappy or super exuberant, and I just feel like this one like sparkles, like you like lit a sparkler, and like that's what it would sound like. And it's because of the timbral combination of the piano mm-hmm. and the cello and the clarinet all doing these very fast but very short runs So this mm-hmm. type sound. And when they do it all together, it just like is like an instant like pick me up for me. I'm just like wow, like that's what like uh like kind of a excitement about life sounds like for me. Yeah, I'm just like it's just so sparkly.
2: Yeah, I feel you on that one. And then just just hear the combination and like to it makes me think: had I stuck with. Taking traditional piano lessons, that I could have done something like that down the line. So it just, it is one of those things where I'm just like, oh, okay, I I see you piano. Go ahead, Mm -hmm. go go, go ahead, you know, do your thing on 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 them keys. Go ahead, take it to ivory real quick. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, yeah. So 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 that's the vibe vibe I had. We'll listen to that one, but yeah, so yeah, those are my favorite. Again, I like a lot of these. I did too. Um, I really did too. And and going back to your other guy, I, I wanted to say this earlier too um, Eric Copeland, the f- uh, fanfare to the common common man guy. Yeah. Common yeah. Man, Yeah. Sorry. It got cut off that one. Initially. I thought that was another John Williams joint,
1: but I did too. I-, I can bit.
2: see, uh, but I can see that, you know, he kind of, this is his version, but also an homage to that, you know, composer and stuff too. So, I I, I, can, I can see the love, the love being shown to other composers without necessarily ripping out their style, but saying, like, OK, I, I like what you did with that. I, I'm going to take that and vibe with it and make it my own thing as well, which is very similar to other compositions, hip hop, rock and so forth. Like how people like Brandon has told me many times, you know, take something from Jimi Hendrix, flip it up and make it their own style. But the influence is there. So, mm. so it's pretty dope.
0: Yeah, there's no such thing as an original idea is the most pessimistic way to say that. But (laughs) I I, I think that's, you know, John Williams is often accused of being a bit of a borrower. But, you know, he is the guy who's bringing classical music to the table, like more than like anyone else in terms of household names in America. I mean, like what other household names do you know? Like Yo-Yo Ma. And then it's like that list drops off pretty quick, right? Yeah.
1: The only other name I can think of is like the other big movie composer would be uh, Zimmer. Yeah. 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 That's literally the only other name I can think of. It's like kind of up there in that, that league. It's like household names. I mean,
0: Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Like he definitely is like got his own aesthetic and is diggable, but I appreciate John Williams more because Hans Zimmer, like when I think of Hans Zimmer, I think about like, Big angry brass chords that are just kind of like like Batman, like, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, yeah, <laughs> and he does do that a lot. I'm too. feeling, yeah, like there's a lot of vibe, but like, sing me a Hans Zimmer melody, okay? <laughs> just try it, like, try it, go. Like, nobody can sing a Hans Zimmer melody because there isn't a melody, you know. So I'm not into that as much as John Williams. You could like, I mean, he's just given us so much Home Alone. Uh, Harry Potter, hello. Star Wars, Jaws, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Like he, like he has his tropes, and he has like his borrowing a little bit. Like it's that's a pretty similar aesthetic, you know, to Copeland's Fanfare for the Common Man. Some people will say he's got a lot of corn gold, K O R N G O L D, uh, like in his uh, soundtracks, but at the end of the day, you really have to thank the man for continuing to turn the party for classical yeah, music did, yeah. in our society. Um, did y'all check out uh fratra, the violin piece, fratra by uh, Arvo
1: part. Yeah. Yeah. I probably mispronounced that, but yeah, yeah. The, honestly, <laughs> I, some of my, I, I like some of one. my like more favorites, like, again, I, I liked pretty much the whole thing, but like the last like couple or the last like handful, like five or six songs you had, on like the initial playlist we're all like a plus plus in my book. Yeah. Nice. So with that one, uh, which I don't know if
2: it was new or not, but yeah, I, had no I, idea really dug, I really huh. dug how that piano is like ominous. Like it's kind <clears> of <throat> like, it's kind of like lurking in the background and it's like, doo, doo, doo. I'm just like, I don't know. It is something about that, that it, it, it spoke to me. Take that for what it is. I don't know. Dark, ominous,
0: lurking in the yeah. shadows. Smoked oh, yeah. Death. I don't know. But oh, yeah. It did. <laughs> so Nice. Yeah, it's so <laughs> low that like you like those like real rumbly low piano notes are just like, whoa. Like a yeah, different timbre down there, right? Like when right. you play like up high on piano, it's like hollow and crystalline and twinkly, and in the middle, it's like its usual, like stereotypical piano sound. But down there on that left hand is like, ooh, that's like some grumbly old grumpy stuff down there. Yeah, it's man, brand, I so know. I love that he uses that, yeah, oh, grumbly ah! old grumpy stuff, yeah that's Damn.
2: right yeah i yeah and again it spoke to me i might need some therapy after this show but go ahead <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: well i didn't make y'all cry i'm I'm a bit bummed about that because <laughs> that's what i'm always trying to get at is like you want to feel something you know with, with music and that's kind of the ultimate transcendence for me is so i'm not necessarily crying because i'm sad but i'm definitely not afraid to say that that is like something that's happened to me many times listening to class
1: i don't know if i i don't think i cried at any point listening to this but several 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 other songs on this playlist definitely made me feel things that i was maybe not prepared to feel in that moment you know (laughs) just driving down the street and all of a sudden i'm like man why am i so sad all of a sudden or or you know i'm like stuck in (laughs) traffic I might be grumpy but this this bombastic song it's just like swelling with all the instruments coming in and all of a sudden I'm just sitting there smiling while I'm stuck in traffic for an hour and I'm like I should be upset but I'm not you know it's just those, those types <laughs> of things I, a range of emotions from this playlist for me
0: so yeah, no, no I tears can but that as well. <sighs> yeah. yay all right well thank y'all so much for having me yes. I, I don't have much more to add to the classical music other than just it's not a monolith and, you yeah, know, I would try anything twice at least, okay? <laughs> For all the people out there. <laughs> I, do wanna, <laughs> yeah. I
1: do have one more question that you you may yeah, or it. may not have the knowledge on this. Uh, so, like, back in the day, whenever, like, Beethoven or Mozart or, you know, Tchaikovsky was, like, alive and, like, writing stuff, were they, like, considered rock stars of their era? Like Like, we would have, like, rock stars today? Or was it more like, you know, sometimes you have, like, painters – and other types of artists where it's more like posthumously, their art is recognized and then they're like kind of blown up and held as this like great standard of art or whatever. I've always been kind of curious of that. Like was, was Beethoven like heralded as like, oh, he is it. If you want to listen to music, Beethoven's it or, you know, or same for Mozart or Bach or whoever it was that was like big at the time.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And actually all of those things, um, to do like the most epic posthumously famous story would be Mazorsky. He wrote pictures at an exhibition. So that's another top 50 classical music piece. And he died young. He was an alcoholic. He wrote pictures at an exhibition and then just like, Basically, you know, whittled himself down to like straight up dying in a literal gutter Mm. and like at like aged like 20 something, if that, you know, and then became famous after the fact. Whereas Mozart, I consider like the Michael Jackson of his time. He was a child prodigy, his dad um brought him all over Europe which he did like more traveling than most people during that time period period so like he was incredibly cosmopolitan and in his tastes which kind of um only increased his fame because then he would be drawing from Italy and from the uh, UK and from France you know like and people like were like wow what is that and he's like just, just knew that much more about all the different musics happening. So then he just kind of his popularity just Mm -hmm. continued to compound past being a prodigy. And he had kind of a similar experience where he really didn't have a childhood since he was so popular so early. So he had a little bit of the arrested development. He, you know, wasted all of his money away on gambling and died younger than he should have. Just like Michael Jackson. So, just not able to do the uh, adulting part very well <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> of things. It's just so yeah.
1: interesting how, you know, because he was what, like early, mid-1700s? No, so, he he died in
0: 1791, okay, so, so uh, a year after he uh, wrote the uh, clarinet uh, concerto, which is so funny, just a little tidbit. Most composers that, um, like ha- like most of our most famous works on clarinet, the composer wrote it late in life and then <laughs> dies very quickly after. So it's like almost like a curse know. to write for the clarinet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Mozart started that precedent. Like, he was like, he wrote this amazing piece. People consider it to be one of his best, if not his best, concerto for a mm. wind instrument um, out of all of them. Uh, but I mean, he was a pianist and a violinist is what he was famous on. But he developed a great friendship with a guy named Anton Stadler, and uh, then died raft after he started writing for him. <laughs> that's the way it goes. But yeah, he was he he was you know very very popular. Um, so it's just it, it's so it, interesting. He how was the popular musician of the so time. It's so
1: interesting how you know that's two hundred years removed from us, two hundred plus years, and like we've changed so much, like as a society, as as people, whatever but in so many ways, we're still the same. It's just, yes. This, that's one of the reasons I'm such a history nerd, because like, no matter how far back you go and like recorded human history, essentially we're still the same in a, in a lot of like mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. unique ways. So mm-hmm. it's always just so fascinating to me.
2: Yeah. It's just, it's just faster
0: ways to get to the, the same, yeah. <laughs> same <laughs> consequence, I guess. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And like, I mean, we, we have, I think, everything to learn from our present and our past. Uh I I used to think that wow, we must be getting better and better at our instruments and then you find out about people like Le Chevalier de Saint George who was a uh, composer and violin virtuoso who was I think half black and uh was actually, you know, famous for his virtuosity on the violin uh way back like he was contemporary to Mozart and would put most modern violinists to shame. And you can tell by his compositions because of how difficult they are. And the same is true on clarinet as well. Clarinet added more and more keys with the industrialization. But then you go back and you try to play uh concerto by Carl Maria von Weber for an eight or 11 key clarinet. And you're like, damn, this is hard. <laughs> and you're like, and I have twice as many keys as they did. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that uh, a reverence for a past while looking toward the uh, future is offers many uh, gifts yeah. to us musically and culturally.
2: Pretty paramount, I think. Okay, well, speaking of inspiring and all the different composers that we discussed today, um, like I said, John Williams was a one of, one of our big favorites. And earlier today, you said you wanted to thank the man, so I want to thank you as well for joining us. Yes, this was um, a lot of
1: fun. Yay!
2: Yes, very, very educational, very mind-opening. To just, I don't know, just not taking stuff at, at face value. And again, that's what the whole point of this podcast is you know listening to stuff that you may or may not be familiar with and broadening your horizons and learning a lot more about it so in doing this i personally can say that my mind has leveled up and a new achievement has been unlocked and outside of this episode you may see me at the red light bumping some of uh, you know classical music with no shame at full volume and just living my best life so
0: Nice. That's where it's best enjoyed. I feel like is is full volume. I'm often that guy. <laughs> oh, so I'll see it you there. It was fun <laughs> driving
1: like home from work, and I would just have the playlist playing, and I would be absolutely bumping and like volume turned all the way up. And I would there was a couple times I would see people like at a light sitting next to me. and They just give me that side high, like
0: what are you listening to? <laughs> that brought me some joy. <laughs> oh yes <laughs> welcome gentlemen welcome yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all
2: right tim, uh do you have anything you want to plug or promote or or where can people find you online
0: or anything like that if
2: that's you know something you want to do or not
0: i don't really have much of an online presence anymore i value the life in front of me more and more uh you know i look forward to ever meeting anybody in person off of this i'm tim Fitzgerald. I play the clarinet and I try to put myself out there playing as much as I can. So I've posted the one uh, sound clip I have on Spotify, which I am very proud of. I played that for uh, an international clarinet conference. So I'm in there and I'm on YouTube uh, and I'm mostly in person. And I would love to someday meet somebody who's heard this and continue to talk. I, like I said, whenever I meet new people, I'm always like just mining them for more music, whatever the genre I'm just trying to get at that feeling. that I think a lot of us are just trying to get to. We know what music can do. Yeah. And just trying to feel that again. Absolutely. So I, I'm getting that from y'all's podcast. I thank y'all for making the podcast, and I've already reaped that from your other episodes. And I was uh, honored to be a part of this one.
2: Well, we we're awesome. honored to have you, man. Absolutely. So if you enjoy the podcast, or if you want to get Tim Fitzgerald's physical address, you can follow us online at afterplaylist.com, <laughs> or you can follow us on social media at afterplaylist. Thank you for joining us, man. Appreciate it. And no, you will not stalk my friend, but you can stalk us online and tell your friends about the podcast. Thanks for listening, y'all. Thanks for listening.
1: Bye. Bye.